We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you on a Friday, which means we are less than one week away from the trade deadline, uh, a day that many Knicks fans are looking forward to, understandably, uh, with the performance of the team this season. We are going to have a ton of great trade deadline content coming up for you, uh, both in terms of the regular podcast. Uh, as well as some fun stuff that we're going to be doing live on trade deadline day. Um, and uh, yeah, just lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, so that is all things to look forward to for next week. For today, though, very special treat. The one, the only Fred Katz of The Athletic joined me to talk about uh, several things. Uh, Julius Randle, state of the team, what they might do with the trade deadline, some things that he thinks the Knicks may possibly could maybe do uh, before the trade trade deadline. He offers a prediction on how many players he thinks will be moved. Uh, Really fun conversation coming up right now, again, from uh, Fred Katz of The Athletic. Uh, And uh, just a note real quick that we did record this conversation before the Memphis game. Um, Not that it affects anything that we spoke about, but uh, just in case. I think that's it. I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, Here is my convo with Fred Katz. Joining me now on the next film school podcast. uh, He is uh, freshly, well, he's not freshly shaven. He's about as freshly shaven as I am, which is to say that there is evidence of 
there's stubble. There's stubble happening. I don't know why that's the first thing I went to because he got a haircut today and he looks just dandy with his new haircut. Um, he is also a writer. <laughs> he writes about the Knicks for the athletic. Um, my main man, Fred Katz. Hello, sir. Stubble happening. That's my number one credential. Stubble. There's stubble happening. My number one credential is there's just hair in all the places you don't need hair. I must spit out my water. I think that's my defining characteristic. I hate the way I look clean shaven. I don't know about you. Me too. Okay. Good. Me I'm too. glad we're on the same. I page. haven't actually been clean shaven. I haven't been like full on clean shaven in a in a very long time. Except for one time during the pandemic when the razor slipped and I went clean shaven. And that was it. And other than that, and I hated how I looked. And other than that, I haven't been clean shaven in forever. I I didn't even go clean shaven for my wedding. I just I did a trim that morning. And then uh I think I may have done, I think I may have gone clean shaven once since since then. It was during the pandemic when I knew nobody was gonna see me like on camera or anything for like a couple of days. Um but that's it. This is clearly what the what the people came to to uh, hear. Um, so uh, we're recording this. We should say this is not going to drop until later in the week. We're recording this on Wednesday uh, afternoon. The Knicks are home. They're about to face a Memphis Grizzlies team that has uh, run roughshod over the league over the last two months. Best record, best net rating since the end of November. Um, I'll start here. We were originally going to record this afterwards, and we and we pivoted to today. Do you think that there's anything that could happen, let's say in tonight's game, or I'll even extend it to the, the the first three games of the West Coast trip that are those are the three that occur before the trade deadline that can slash should influence how this team may act at the trade deadline? Can yes, because people are human and they react to in human ways, and we also come to those sorts of biases. So can Yes. And quite frankly, we don't really know how Leon Rose in that front office thinks because no. they don't disclose that stuff publicly. So, so, so yes, I think it's possible that it can do that because I, I, there are very few scenarios in which I'm going to say, nope, this can't happen with the Knicks because <laughs> yeah. we don't really know how they're thinking. And when you ask around the league, by the way, and you ask other teams, hey, who are you hearing the Knicks are making available? Some people say, oh, you know, they're trying to make a two for one, three for one, that sort of trade, maybe open up a roster spot. And then some people say, oh, you know, uh, Fournier has, uh, you know, been made available. And some people say, oh, Kemba's been made available. And some people say, yeah, you know, they're looking to maybe trade one of their vets and get back a young thing. It's like you, it's like, okay, so just like literally everything. So, so it's just literally every single possible thing <clears throat> is is on the table. Great. Like, like that's, and we've kind of seen that in reports, right? Like yeah, we've, we have. we've just seen, oh, Fournier is available. Okay, cool. And just kind of trickles out to different places, depending on who has good sourcing where, you know? And, and so, so can, can anything happen with their front office? I, yes. Any, anything there is possible because we don't know what we're just not cognizant of what their thought process is. Should it, should it probably not? I think we know I'm willing to say that I think we know what this team is. And unless there is a significant change in process over these next, over this next week and a half, and then maybe the reaction is, is to a change in process. You know, they find some way to get Randall the rim more or, or we're going to get to your article in 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 a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or whatever. And then it actually works. Maybe that's the scenario in which you say, okay, maybe, maybe the prognosis changes a little bit, but if they keep playing the same way and the ball just happens to go in more and they get some upset wins against Memphis and, you know, in LA and in Utah, 
nah, nah, that that's that's not really how you operate. You operate over what's going on over the course of the whole season. Well, it's like if we had operated or maybe people who made assumptions about what this team was going to be after the first six games of the season when they were five and one and they had the second highest effective field goal percentage in the league because they were hitting freaking everything like um, if they had made plans based on that, that probably would have been a poor idea because strange things could happen in small sample size. Um, I agree with you about the Randall thing. We're going to get to your piece in a moment because it was it really hit on. I, I was like. I know you're focusing just on Randall and just one aspect of Randall's game, but if there was one, if there's one thing that if you could read one thing and it really kind of sums up like where things have gone awry for the next of the season, um, it was your piece. Before we get there, though, in terms of what they might do, I do feel, and I want, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I do feel like we've seen enough from this front office, just in terms of maybe the moves they haven't made, that I would be very surprised if they sacrificed a future asset or a young player that they found to be a valuable part of their team for a, you know, a quote unquote win now move. Now it gets a little complicated because like if you trade for Jalen, just to throw a name out there, I don't think they're going to trade it for him, but if you trade for Jalen Brunson, is that technically a win now move? Yeah, technically, but he's also whatever he is, 24 years old. So, you know, Miles Turner, maybe even, Kind of you could squeeze into that category, although I don't I don't know. It like goes both ways. Um, I'd be surprised if we saw that. I think the bigger question is whether they make an outright like this is not going to help us win games this year in terms of like a Burks, you know, Burks for a, a second rounder or something like that. So that do you are, what are your thoughts on that front? I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's nuance here. Like miles My, Turner is the name I mentioned in my story this morning and with good reason. I think, yeah. I mean, I think uh, teams are kind of worried about him. I forget the exact language I use. I think I said weary in the story just because he's dealing with a stress fracture in his foot and you hear with a big man with a stress fracture in his foot, you're just like, Oh no. Especially when you don't have a definitive return date that, that, that at least the public is aware of, right? People just, wonder what the heck that means in terms of recovery because big guys with foot injuries, there are a lot of horror stories regarding that. Uh, so I, so I don't think there are that teams are necessarily clamoring for miles Turner the way that they were when he was healthy. Uh, and, and miles Turner fits an archetype, which I think would just be great for them for various reasons, which like you mm -hmm. said, I'm sure we'll discuss. Uh, but, but a move like that is like that, that is that equivalent that is that is win now because it helps you get better now, but it's not future destruction. It's not destroying your future. I mean, that's no. that's that's a guy in his mid twenties who has another year of his contract on at a reasonable salary. Who I, I'm sure before you do a trade like that, any organization does its yep. intel, finds out, hey, you think the guy would be interested in resigning here? He was like, yeah, of course I would resign with the Knicks. What are you talking about? If you gave me a fair salary, of course I'd come back. So. You know, or or of course I wouldn't come back. Like, you know, you you do your you do your intel and find out, you know, a guy's interest in in coming back. And I think that's true for basically anybody who's consequential who they would give up young pieces for. They also like they're they have they kind of have too many young guys, you know? Um, well, and they added one more recently. Yes, exactly. And and look, I have covered teams where a coach doesn't play a guy who a front office wants them to play. And I, I can't sit here and say, I have sources that say that the front office wants 
Tibbs to play Reddish. But when you trade a first round pick for a guy, you don't do that for him not to play. Um, and, and I'm not even arguing that Tibbs is handling this wrong, by the way. It's just when you trade a first round pick for a guy, you want to see that guy get minutes. And I've seen, you know, I've, I was covering the Thunder when they, when Billy Donovan was back and forth on Alex Abrinas' role and the front office really liked him and the Thunder traded Anthony Morrow. And then Billy Donovan was, oh no, if I want to play a shooting guard who can be a catch and shoot three point guy, I guess I got to play Alex Abrinas now. You just, <laughs> we've, we've all seen, uh, we've and that's a good seen- organization. That's a sound organization. They do things. I, I feel like they do things from the outside looking in, they do things the right way. Would you disagree? It's a great, no, it's a great organization. That's my point. It it happens everywhere. Yeah. It happens everywhere. It happened in, I mean, it's like a famous scene in Moneyball when Billy Bean <laughs> trades Carlos Pena so that he'll play Scott Hatterberg at first. When Art yeah. Howe is insisting on playing, the, Scott Hatterberg's not a first baseman. Carlos Pena's a first baseman. And then Billy and then Billy Bean says, you know what? Screw it. I'm trading Pena just so you play Hatterberg. Famously stubborn Art Howe, speaking of qualities that the New York Knicks head coach may possess. <laughs> But, but my point is that that kind of stuff happens like all the time and, and, and we don't, it's like, it's like really common. It's not like a thing that just happens. It is, it is common. Uh, So, so I could see them just wanting, they just have too many, they have too many guys. And I don't even think like the whole, you have to play reddish thing is, I don't know. What do you, what do you make of that? What do you make of the whole, you have to play reddish thing? Cause I think it's overstated to be honest. My own two cents is they got him as an asset. And I mean, me and Jeremy, who does the weekly pod with me, we're just we kind of thought of it as like, okay, it's a guy that they know they're going to be able to resign for, you know, a Fournier type number that's going to be able to either look, it's one of two things. Either they're they're banking on him being a tradable asset at that number or they're banking on him being potentially a part of their core, Um, you know, in which case the the number may, may not matter as much. But like. I just think they need to get a good sense of what this guy is and what this guy could do moving forward before they enter negotiations this summer. What do they need to be able to make an informed decision? I, I don't know, 15, 20 games of watching the kid play, you know, but like, how far do you go? Like the last 10 games of the season, you know, teams aren't always trying like that. So I don't know how much longer I'd push it. I'm fine with it up until now. If we're five, 10 days past the deadline and we're still not seeing him in games, then maybe I'm a little bit more, Okay, what well, you know, there seems to be some discord here. I I I would venture to guess that an extension is is more unlikely than not. Really? Okay, interesting. Yeah, that would be my guess. Just based on history, normally in trades like this, guys don't get extended. Teams want to take a little extra time in order to evaluate them. And and Redis, you don't like need to extend. Probably. I mean, unless no, it has a breakout year four. I was about to say, unless it's like a Brandon Ingram situation and then he's he has not shown anything close to what Brandon Ingram right. showed. I mean, yeah. look, let's, let's coin this. I have privately coined this, the, the bridges conundrum, uh, which is, which is well, 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 this is the bridges <laughs> conundrum or maybe the, maybe the burning bridges conundrum because you don't want to be burning bridges, but Can you imagine really if he is, left by the way, <laughs> well, it, it really is because on one side you have Phoenix extending Mikael bridges. Nice and then, number. Nice number, ninety mil for both player for, for both player and team. By the way, it's a fine number. I agree. If I were Mikael Bridges, I'd be very happy with signing that contract extension. And if I were Phoenix, I'd be thrilled having a player of that caliber of yes. that role, hundred percent, and paying him that salary. I think that is the ideal, just best situation for both parties. Uh, and then the other side, you have Miles Bridges in Charlotte, who turned down an extension 
And now he's really going to get, I think he's going to make more oh. than the extension number he turned down because he's having a great year and he's integral to what Charlotte is doing. <laughs> the demand is the max. Our negotiation gets us to the max. Yeah. And so, and so you're just, which bridges situation are you going to end up being in? I, he has, I mean, look, he hasn't shown as much as either, obviously, either of those guys. No, uh, that's I, the other thing. Yeah. He's not helping his case either. No. Ooh, like he, He's only getting garbage. The way you get in, Quentin Grimes said it the other day. Like Quentin Grimes was saying, I want to be the one rookie who Tibbs comes in and plays. I heard he doesn't play rookies. So I want to be the rookie who comes in and, and he has to play. And he said, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to approach games. I'm going to approach practices like games. And I'm just going to play my behind off. And that was the gist of what he was saying. Reddish came into that game against the Kings in a 25-point game. And about two minutes into his playing time, uh, he jogs down the court next to his guy. Uh, there's a 50-foot chess pass thrown down the court after a make. Mm-hmm. He, he jumps into the passing lane, misses it by no less than 12 feet, then jogs behind his guy who dumps off for an open layup with like 20 seconds left on the shot clock after a made Obi top in three. Now, it was totally inconsequential, and I actually don't think Tibbs saw it in the moment because he was putting Jericho Sims in the game. But when Tibbs goes back and looks at that game tape, like that's, that's not how he's going to get this coach to play him. So it's not just a Tibbs thing, and that's what he's famous for. That's why he's not playing to begin with, because he did that stuff in Atlanta all the time in actual moments that mattered. And he said it in his introductory press conference. I don't know if you're the one who asked him the question that solicited the answer, but he was like, I still think I'm a star. I think I'm going to be a star. I'm on track. What the word? I'm pretty sure the word star was was used, Um, you know, and and when a guy thinks of himself as that way and then he's put in a position where, again, like this, you're playing last five minutes of a blowout. Show me what you got. I I just, you know, I wonder, is there an an about face at some point there? Um, Enough about Cam Reddish. We've already given him more time than he deserves. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. 
My girlfriend is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about this sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Filmschool16 and use promo code Filmschool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Filmschool16 and use promo code Filmschool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so let's get to your Randall piece. Um, so here's how I want to approach this. So you, you're, the numbers, if there were a couple of numbers that defined this next season, you quoted him at the top of the piece. Um, three pointers uh, went from forty-two percent, or excuse me, forty-one percent to thirty-one percent. Mid-range, forty-two percent to thirty-three percent. My goodness! Uh, you mentioned he's getting to the line fewer times, and then you have the number that I think is the centerpiece of, of the whole uh, article, which is that um, he takes less than half in terms of percentage of his total shot diet shots at the rim when he is playing alongside a traditional big than when he's not. And you basically make the point that, and I want you to expand upon in any direction you want. If you have a big who can't shoot, 
and you got a coach who's like, hey, we got to protect the rim. Um, wh- what do you do? If you don't have a stretch five, what do you do? And you place blame in, I think, a couple of different areas. And I like how you did that. And I want to get into that. But like, yeah, take, take it away. Yeah, I don't think it's... I do not think it is a one person problem. And that's kind of why I wrote the story because I think the vast majority of the blame has been placed on Julius Randall for his shot selection this year. And I don't think I left Julius Randall blameless in the story. No, um, you did not. There's no question that I think if you want to like rank blame, I think it's fair to say Julius Randall is num- the number one person who is the most responsible for his shot selection. If he just wants to not give a crap and power his way to the rim and shoot up flailing, you know, triple teamed layups, you know, he's strong enough and dynamic enough to where I think he could actually justify doing that at least more than he actually does. And so much of this is about his processing speed to where he just receives the ball and it affects him in so many other ways of the game. He receives the ball. He doesn't find the quick guy in the corner often, you know, like that, they're, normally, if the ball goes to him, it is stopping, and that's a processing speed thing. So, so I don't think Randall is removed from blame. I just think it's a very simplistic way to look at it and say Julius Randall isn't taking many shots at the rim, and so that's a Julius Randall problem. When the reality is, like you said, he's playing next to a traditional big all the time, which is clogging up their spacing, uh, and you know that that is that is a lineup choices thing, which is mm-hmm. a Tom Thibodeau thing because Tibbs wants a rim protector. But it's also a front office thing, because if there is one dude who tells you exactly what he is and exactly how he views the game, it is the guy the Knicks hired to coach their team. They know exactly how Tom Thibodeau thinks. They know exactly how he wants to play. And they put together a roster with centers that don't necessarily complement that. Now, I mentioned Miles Turner in there because he is... He is a really good rim protector. He's the perfect, he's, he is the Henry Clay. He's the great compromiser. You know, he is the guy who he's going to be around the rim and he is going to be a good enough rim protector that Tibbs will feel be thrilled to play him 30 minutes a game. And he's also on the other end. He's not an elite three point shooter, but he's good enough to keep you honest. Right. He's a, there's a difference between shooting and spacing. I think those concepts get conflated. It's a great line. Uh, And, and so, if you're a third, I'd rather have a 33% shooter who you have to guard than a 37% shooter who nobody wants to come out and close out on because that guy's going to clog up the floor. And we should say like, you know, against some, t- like, again, they did it against Sacramento or I think it was against Sacramento where they stuck Noel in the corner a couple of times. And like, you know, teams that aren't really on it in the regular season, which a lot of teams like come into games in the regular season and they just and not maybe going through the motions, but it's not like you're playing a playoff series where teams are going to be keyed in. Like it doesn't matter if he's over there, just leave him over there. It's it's fine. Like you're, you'll be able to like steal a couple possessions here and there, but it's, it's not a sustainable thing. Um, I agree with you. It is a, it is an issue. Also, by the way, we should say like, and this is where I, I guess I'll be a, a little bit of a, uh, I'll be kind to the front office. Could they have possibly fathomed a shooting drop off like this? Do you think it was no. reasonable to 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 yeah, right? No, not 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 like this. Not to this. No, this is this is the most extreme timeline. Like this is this is the most I I think most people anticipated a fall off. I don't think people thought he was that great of a jump shooter because he was one of the no. best jump shooters in the league last year and this year he's one of the worst high volume jump shooters in the league. But 
but yeah, this is extreme. I mean, the other thing about the front office is there's a reason why I keep mentioning Miles Turner and not all these other centers who protect the rim and shoot threes because there aren't very many of them. Those guys are very difficult to come by. It's why Miles Turner is so desirable. It's why, and and guys like that don't tend to hit the market. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. is a power forward who blocks shots and who shoots threes and he gets gobbled up by a nine-figure contract extension. He's not going to hit the market. Brooke Lopez immediately goes back to Milwaukee because they know how important he is. And then beyond that, it's just like, now we're talking about the Nikola Jokic's and Joel Embiid's of the world. It's like, well, if you can get Nikola Jokic, then yeah, I, should I, I would, I would like Nikola Jokic on my, on my basketball team. Yes. I'm not going to knock the Knicks for being unable to trade for Nikola Jokic this summer. So, so, but, but that said, it's like they put the absolute, it's not that they don't have a guy as good as miles Turner in that role. And it's not even that they don't have a guy who fills that role in the same way. It's that they have the most extreme versions of these at the rim guys. I mean, one thing, and it's, and it's, it's, it's not just about where these guys like Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel are taking shots from because every once in a while, Taj Gibson will come out and shoot a three. It's about where they occupy space, even when they're not shooting. Yep. And that was, that was something that I I could have put in the story. You know, there was, there was a, there was something in the story or I didn't put in the story that I just found when I was looking stuff up, which is just a fun Mitchell Robinson fact, which is, please, uh, Mitchell Robinson is uh, taking his average shot is closer to the rim than any other player in the NBA this year. And given that he's shooting 78%, I'm not surprised. (laughs) No, it's not shocking. I think the player who is the second closest average shot is Clint Capella. And Mitchell Robinson is two and a half times closer to the rim on his shots than Capella. Wow. It is that is how on the inside Mitchell Robinson always is. It's that they have the most extreme version of these rim diving centers. And it's just, it's just clogging things up. And I think that's something that we could have seen because it's not like Randall was getting to the rim last year. He got to the rim even less last year. It was just masked over because he was an incredible jump shooter. Yeah. But I wonder how much of, you know, and like this year it's just, you can't make any determinations about what their ideal center rotation would be because everybody's been injured. But even like last season, like, yes, I know it was the Rose trade was obviously the big thing, but like Mitch went down. Noel went into the starting lineup. Noel's playing predominantly with Julius Randle. Guess what? The offense picked up. Like, is that a direct, you know, he was taking more jump shots last year, but, you know, you'd really have to go back and pay attention to like, well, were, were teams playing him slightly different? Something else you snuck into the third to last paragraph of this story. And I love how you just stuck it in there. They could also get, this is your, I'm reading what you wrote. They could also get Randle downhill more um, in more pick and rolls. Maybe they could bust out some Kemba Walker uh, pick and rolls, possibly the best man for that job. Kemba Walker is one of the best pick and roll players the league has seen over the last 10 years. He is on the Knicks. And, uh, I, you know, my my colleague, Benji uh, Ritholtz, has mentioned this recently on Twitter. Like, they just don't do it. Like, now, who's is that? I'm Julius Randle. This is how I want to play. And this is how I don't want to play. And that's why we're not doing it. Is that a Tibbs stubbornness thing? Like. I don't even know how to begin to answer that question. I actually don't know the answer. It's probably something I should ask in a press conference because uh, when, when Kemba had that great streak, you know, when he, after, after the benching, part of the reason was that he was running way more pick and rolls. They were putting the ball in his hands. Now they didn't have a full roster. Cause that was when they had a bunch of guys in protocols and stuff, but yeah. Randall they, was there. Randall was there mm-hmm. and Randall could be to his credit. 
he and 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 Ben pointed this out um, with with a couple of really good Twitter threads and, and tweets that I saw. Randall did a really good job against the Kings doing a yes. lot of this stuff, and it's independent of the fact that they're the Kings. You know, it was it was the Kings' defense is absolutely nothing to be enviable of at all. But you know, Ben pointed out a clip on Twitter of him after a turnover, just absolutely busting ass down the floor and yes. then flipped it to RJ for a dunk. It's like that has absolutely nothing to do with who you're playing. That's just, I am going to beat you down the floor. It was a gear we haven't seen. And, and you mentioned the, that in the piece too, uh, I should say. For sure. And even from the first quarter of that game, he noticed, okay, Fournier is hot as hell. And they started blitzing Fournier on pick and rolls just to get the ball out of his hands. So, so Randall just like, you know, six minutes into that game, tries to get Fournier the ball on a dribble handoff. It doesn't work as well. So he tries to get Fournier the ball on another dribble handoff, repositions himself. He sets a screen. They blitz Fournier. Fournier ends up throwing it to Randall. Randall goes quick dribble and kicks to the corner. Like his... I talked about processing speed, his processing speed, his, his pace that he played both, both in on the break and in the half court in that game, I thought was really, really good. And I don't know, maybe from that sense, the pace that he plays with all that, like, I, I think it's, like I said, it's reasonable to say that he is the number one guy who can turn this around by just playing with, you know, an energy and intensity that we saw from him last year. So, and I, Leads me to something else I want to reference, which was a piece you wrote largely about Randall. Um, it was, I think, at the end of last week when he finally spoke uh, at practice. It was the first time he had spoken in a while, and uh, you had, you know, you had all the things that he that he said in there, and like everything we're talking about right now, it, it's like I think the reason why fans, including me, have been so hard on him of late is because there seems to be, like, for instance, I'm not. <laughs> Listen, there are a few things that I want to go back and watch less than the Knicks offense from the 2019-20 team. That was, oh my God, some dreadful basketball. Here's the thing, though. Julius Randle this year at the rim, shooting 61%. Last year, 59%. The first year he was here under Fisdale and Mike Miller, 60%. It's the same thing in all three years. And except two years ago, he shot took 46% of his shots around the rim this year, a little bit more than last year, like you said, 32% last year, 23%. I'm not saying like they need to go back to that like caveman version of basketball, but there, there seems to be more that he could be willing to do. And that's everything you were just saying. And then going back to your story that you wrote um, uh, several days ago, he said all of the things that you want a guy to say. But like, I'm just going to ask you, you were there, you saw him say like, does this seem like a guy who's like really all about the, I'll quote Jeff Van Gundy on the broadcast. They killed the, the Knicks against the Heat. You need to be all about winning. Does this seem to you to, to be a guy who's all about winning to you? I don't know. I don't know. You're kind. I, mean, <laughs> I just, I don't believe that a person could change this much in one year. I will, I will, I will answer your question. Not with the, uh, with the take that you're looking for, but with an anecdote. Sure. I was, talking to a player once about, I don't even remember who we were talking about. We were just like talking about the league shooting the shit and, and talking about someone who was in a major slump. And uh, it was, it was a, it was a, I'm not going to say the player. Uh, 
really smart guy, one of my favorite guys to talk hoops with. The, oh, the guy who you were talking to, not yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. The guy, I don't remember who the player in the slump was. It's not okay. consequential. And we were talking about it. And I was like, "Is there anything wrong with a shot or something?" And and the player said to me, "When a guy is in a slump for this long, stop just looking at basketball. Sometimes it's mm. basketball. Sometimes something's going on with their life. And I think just sometimes I I just." That conversation always comes to my mind when I look at a guy whose mannerisms and and uh, and whose style of play just totally changes from season to season. And it makes me it just colors the way that I evaluate situations like the one where Julius Randall is going through. And I have no idea what's going on in his life. But that's kind of the point of my point, which is just like. I don't know. Last year, I would have answered that question enthusiastically. Yes. But I don't think somebody just goes from no to yes to no over a three-year period. Uh, It's the same guy. He's the same person. So so I don't know. It's unbelievably weird. It's it's an amazingly weird season. Weirder than the jump shooting is the transition defense and and, you know, all the stuff that, you know, falls under that category. That to me is it's it may not be more consequential than the jump shooting, but it's it's weirder. It's harder to explain. Um, but I don't know. I I honestly don't know what to make of it. I, I don't think anybody does. I I mean, how could you? Um, so uh, speaking of transition, transition to the the piece you wrote before this most recent Randall piece about Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes, I think, is is everything Nick fans uh, are enjoying about this season are, are kind of embodied by this kid. And like, you know, there's other young players on the team who like play hard and like the whole thing. He's to a different level. You wrote a really wonderful piece about him. He had some quotes from his dad in there, which I thought were really insightful. Um, I, I'm wondering like, <laughs> this is unfair to ask because it's, it's, it's kind of an impossible question. Like he's a rookie. He's play, you know, he's still coming off the bench. Do you think that, and this kind of harkens back to our discussions about trades that they make, do you think he's impressed them enough to the point where they're looking at him and be like, okay, we really have something here and it may make us a little bit more willing to, you know, explore the market for, I don't know who you want to say, a Burks, a Fournier, you know, something, I guess it would be one of those two guys, right? Um because to me, it passes the eye test and the numbers are there too. Again, limited sample size. He's played a little over 500 minutes. But I, to me, it passes the eye test. I wouldn't blame them if they did feel that way. I, I wouldn't blame them if they saw what he's doing right now. And they're like, I don't care if he shoots 32% from three the rest of the year. We got to get this guy 30 minutes a night. Yeah. Like he's, he's been their best perimeter defender. I don't think I it's, have, a, it's not a conversation anymore. I have no problem saying he, I don't care what the sample is. He's their best perimeter defender right now. Like he is for sure their best. Who's, who is a better on ball guy than him? And you know who wholeheartedly agrees with us? Tom Thibodeau. Because he puts him <laughs> on the other team's best ball handler every single night now. He's guarding Tyrese Halliburton. He put him on Jimmy Butler. There is nobody on God's green earth who loves Jimmy Butler more than Tom Thibodeau. The greatest way to tell what 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 Tibbs thinks of a defender is who he puts on Jimmy Butler, and he put a rookie on him. Yeah. I mean, he he is their best perimeter defender right now. Guarded Tatum too. I, I just want to point out, sure, uh, with Celtics, yeah, Trey Young, yep, Gordon yep. Hayward, and and you know what? All these players have in common. 
nothing. <laughs> They're all different types of players. It's not even yeah. like he's saying he's he can only guard point guards. He's putting him on point guards. He's putting him on conventional twos. He's putting him on big wings. Like that. That is a lot of responsibility for a rookie. It's it's it's. I mean, Tibbs clearly agrees with us that he's their best on-ball perimeter defender. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, look, if he's going to shoot 40 from three, even if he's going to shoot 35 from three, he's shooting 53 from the corners. Like, yeah, he's um, he I, I think I think he should be getting more time having nothing to do with. Well, well I should say more time because he's getting time now. But I think I think he should be playing a lot, having nothing to do with his personal development. OK, just, I understand. He's just, oh, he just helps so, them win. <laughs> he just helps them win. Yeah. He's just, he's just, he's just your best catch and shoot three point shooter and your best on ball perimeter defender. And I mean, look, he is, if he develops into, you know, he's showing flashes now of being able to do some stuff off the dribble. The move on Halliburton, speaking of Halliburton, the move he put on Halliburton the other night, a guy who was, I believe, in his uh, class, high school class, right? Because Barrett and, yeah. 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 Okay. So I wonder if that was a little, little personal. Yeah. I, yeah. I wrote, I wrote a commenter called me out. I, I, I wrote in that story, like, you know, everything is an NBA first when he, when Halliburton tries to cross him over, he has, he has nothing in the memory bank of Halliburton crossing him over. And somebody commented, actually, they played three times in college. Uh, I was like, okay, dare you, was Fred. A, my point, my point is the same. My <laughs> yeah. example was extremely poor. Uh, it's okay. But, uh, but I mean, look, if he develops into what he seems like now he can develop into, you know, this is a, this is the exact kind of guy who can fit into, you drop him onto 30 teams and you don't have to change your scheme. You don't have to change your identity. You don't have to take the ball out of anybody's hands. You don't have to make anybody unhappy other than maybe you're starting two or you're starting three who are now going to get benched. And, and you, and you have a guy who is going to make you better. I mean, this is, this is why Mikael Bridges got $90 million. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, oh, he's as good as Mikael Bridges, but that's, that's Mikael Bridges is longer and he is yes. the best player at that role in the entire NBA. Mm-hmm. But when you become elite at that role, you fit everywhere. Like you put Mikael Bridges on any team and they're better. And the difference between Grimes and let's compare him to RJ Barrett is that Barrett, while his role is a higher leverage role because he does stuff with the ball and yeah. pick and rolls and try to get to the rim and all that, his role is a more specific role, especially if he's not going to be a really good three-point shooter. Uh, and and I think that that dynamic is really interesting. That being said, I can actually see them fitting together quite well. Grimes I, runs around screens and all that. And like that's a good fit. I was about to say. I mean, I think you're looking at the the future starting two and three for this team. What you know, we'll see what that means for Fournier. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because they have them. They have Toppin, who, you know, what do you think this organization thinks of Obi Toppin? I think we could probably intuit what Tom Thibodeau thinks of Obi Toppin. Do you think the organization's still high on him? I'm like, I'm just, because I have no idea. I'm not sure. They have so, I mean, look, I don't think 
Tibbs is as not high on top and as I, people say he is. I, I really I think it just yeah. comes down to the fact that he has to have a rim protector on the floor. Like, <laughs> like if, 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 if he didn't feel the way he feels about rim protection, then I think Obi would be playing more. Or if Julius Randall didn't exist, I think Obi would be playing more. Well, but I think that's what it's gets his bread like, and butter. Yes. But that's what, what, you know, you see the comments that I get from fans after every game and they're like, why are why is Obi Toppin not playing over Julius Randle? And and my response is usually like, that's just not how things are done in the NBA. You don't you don't put your all star. I mean, I know he's not an all star this year, but you don't put your all star player on the bench. But I think what people just want is like, well, why can't you just play him sixteen or seventeen or eighteen minutes a game and reduce Julius down to thirty? And I guess that's what I kind of meant by like, if he really thought Toppin was help would help him win a game more by playing an extra five, six, seven, eight minutes. I think he would do it, but you know, I, I there are other questions we could ask there too. Yeah, like that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, to your, to your original question, I, I think, I think the organization likes stopping. I think if, if they're committed to Tibbs, then they might be able to, you know, he's a guy who they might be able to get something for, because if you're, if you can trade Obi Toppin for somebody who's just as good, but who's going to be able to be played 25 minutes. Well, 25 minutes of a good player is better than 14 minutes of a good player. So, I mean, that might be a time where you just, you know, you have to make a move that's specific to the situation. Um, But, you know, we'll see. There are a million trades like that that could be on this team because they just have so many guys. Like they have a lot of quantity. I want to finish up and go in a different direction. Um, So again, RJ Grimes, I mean, say what you want about RJ. I think RJ's, he's been fine. Um, up and down, but he's been fine. Last month, RJ has been quite good. I, he's been quite good. And then you go to the couple of months before that and not so good. And then the, the stretch at the beginning of the year, again, very good, but it, it's, he's up and night. third year players, 21. I'm, I'm not worried about RJ Grimes. Good. OB again, I think we've seen some nice stuff quickly, you know, same thing. Um, hasn't shot it well, but like there are good young players on this team, not a number one, maybe not even a number two, but like, it's enough that you can kind of get excited about it. And then Randall is obviously here. And as of, as long as he's here, it's going to be a team that is kind of built around Julius Randall, which again was kind of the crux of your piece today. Do you think, do you think that there is any chance that they are, I'm not even going to ask that they trade him. Do you think that there's any chance that they're giving serious thought to the idea of moving him before the deadline? Define serious thought. So like, okay, it's one thing to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll trade him if we get back, you know, like the Daryl Morey thing. Like I have a list of 25 guys who I would trade Ben Simmons for. Well, guess what? You're not getting any of those 25 guys. So I guess you're not trading, but you know, like it's one thing to do that. It's another thing to be like, all right, this would shake up our organization in a significant way. It might change how we play, but it's, it's a good deal. It's a fair deal. We feel like this could be better for us in the long term, even if we may take a step back this year. Like the point where you give it real analysis of like a deal that is, again, it's not a star. Like they're not getting, I don't know who you want to name. I, I mean, actually, I was going to say facts, but then again, there's a part of me that wonders like, would Sacramento do that? I don't even know. Um, I, if we're, if that's how we're defining serious thought, I would say no. Okay. Just because I think, and, and maybe I'm wrong. And look, 
if there's one thing I know about the trade deadline and you don't just know this because you live through it at the time, it's because once trades are done, people have a way of saying like, yeah, it's done now. It's not a secret anymore. Here's how it happened. Okay. Stuff progresses so fast. I mean, we're recording this eight days out from the deadline. What mm-hmm. I say now could be totally different a week from today. And that's still with, with, you know, 36 hours to go before the deadline. Right. So, you know, take this with the entire salt shaker, but, what I would say is that if you trade Randall now, you're just selling him. I shouldn't say selling him. I hate it when people say that about players. I hate that. So I, well, I, hate that well, I know what you mean. But you're, yeah. you are, you are, you are dealing him at the lowest point of his value. Like that is just not proper asset management. I am under the assumption that if you trade Julius Randall, you're basically getting the worst possible deal for Julius Randle. Because even if he continues to play at this caliber and he gets absolutely no better, he is a, he is the least efficient high volume shooter in the NBA for the next year. Then he still becomes more valuable because every day he lives through his contract is one day shorter. (laughs) So there, there is, you are, you are right now, you are right now, you know, Julius Randle, that player on a, with, with a four-year extension kicking in next year is different than Julius Randle, the exact same player with three years left on the deal is different than two years left on the yeah. deal. Uh, so, so if you trade Randle now and he's eligible to be traded on February 3rd, if you do it now, chances are, unless you negotiate one hell of a deal or there's one team out there, because all it takes is one, all it takes just is like, one. nope. Yep. They're just like, nope, it's the situation. We want this guy. He is going to play exactly like he played last year when we go get him. Uh, and and maybe that exists. And, and maybe that's the Kings. Maybe it's somebody else. Uh, but I think if we're just speaking in generalities, this is, this is as low as you're going to get. And that's just not when you make that move. I also don't think there should be any urgency to trade him. Like, yeah, like we were, is, is what's this team going to do? You know, I, I the only reason I I I have thought about it and I have given it serious serious thought and attention over the last several weeks especially is I'm just wondering are things internally just to is is his is it is it now about more than more than basketball and in terms of like again you could watch this team on any given night and I'm not saying everybody goes all out on every play. You could point to Kemba Walker. You could point to Evan Forney. You could point to RJ Barrett um, of guys who like, again, there are possessions where they may lose a guy off ball or like not give the, the requisite effort that you'd like to see. But when Randall has become so emblematic of it, is that, is there a risk of that? Or maybe it already has seeping into, again, to use a, a over, you know, a cliche seeping into the culture and having further detrimental effects that maybe we, you know, and again, that's, that's my fear as a, as a fan, that's my fear. But again, I also, he, look, I, I know why you were like, Oh, I hate the term, like selling him. He's an asset. Every NBA player is an asset. You, you it is your responsibility when you run an NBA team to manage a portfolio of assets and to build that portfolio up right now, that, that asset, as you said, is at its lowest value. So how do you reconcile those two things where again, you're not, you're and again, all it takes is one. Maybe they get a, a nice return, but you know, I, I see your point. I don't necessarily disagree when something with you. It's at its lowest value. You rebuild it. 
That's what you have to do. I mean, that's yeah. what that story was about. That's what we started. Yes. Let's let's big picture this thing. Like that's what I don't know if you can hear the siren outside my windows. So. I can't. <laughs> Great. Great. I have a good microphone then. Uh, you do. I mean, that's that's what we started this podcast talking about. Yes. You have to you have to rebuild it. You you make it better. You help him improve. You put him in a position to where he can be better. And I I don't disagree with anything that you just said. Like I I think bad habits absolutely can trickle down from a team's best player, especially when there are young players who can be impressionable. And this is their first glimpse of the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's, look, I covered the Wizards. Like, I've seen effort issues. I've seen that happen. The 2018-19 Wizards, holy crap. It was, it was such an awkward locker room. And that was absolutely something that was discussed all the time within that organization. And, and that that's is, not this team yet. They still try. I mean, they're, they're a top, they're a 12th ranked defense. Like they do try hard by and large. Yeah. I, I look, I will trust me. You, you want to talk about teams. You don't want to watch, go, go watch the 2018, 19 wizards. You will see some effort issues. Jeff How about the Green, 21, 22 wizards? <laughs> yeah. Jeff green in, in 2019, after the trade deadline was so certain he was going to get traded. And then in the seven games after he was traded, played exclusively the four and the five okay. and did not get an offensive rebound in any of those games. It was just like, it was just like, we are done here. It was that's <laughs> it incredible. Was that entire team, that entire team was just unbelievable. But, but no, that is, that's, that's not what's happening here. You know, it's not that, you know, no. but I, I agree with that general concept. Uh, that said, I mean, you don't, I just don't think the way to run an organization also is, is extend a guy. And then at the first sign of trouble, it's like, you're out. Like if you believe in a guy enough to give him a four year deal, then, then it, it, it shows a a disappointing process to uh, all of a sudden then, you know, cut bait. It's like, wait, you believed in him that much to give him four years. And now after a half of a season, like you don't even think this is recoverable to where you can to like, like, like if you deal him now, you also might be saying, Oh, we actually don't think this is his lowest value. We think, we think he's going to play worse. Yeah. And it's like, Whoa, you think he's, cause I don't think he's going to play worse. I don't know how he could play worse. I guess just again, and it, 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 I blame last year's team because last year's team was just so much fun and we never had to have these conversations. And like, like Randall, again, Randall's not the only star player who will have moments where it's like, not great. Like the guy that a lot of people want to trade him for Darren Fox, like go watch the Kings this year. I'm sure I I don't watch them enough, but I I'm pretty certain Darren Fox has a lot of moments where it's like, Hey, maybe that guy's not uh, giving it his all. So, you know, it's definitely a living in the moment take. And I am, um, certainly not absolved of that. Um, last thing I'll, I'll, I'll uh, and I kept you too long as it is. Um, thank you. I set the over under last night. I think I did this of um, players to be traded off the Knicks roster at the deadline at one and a half. You taking the under, or you taking the over. Oh, I like that line. It's a good line. That's the right line, right? Yeah, that's the right line. Cause like if they make a trade, you're kind of asking me if they'll make a trade. Basically, yes. I'm asking you if they're going to make a trade. Because I kind of feel like it's like a, like a two row play, rotation players for one trade if they make a trade. So I'm going to 
I'm going to actually hold on. If you think that take the over, because if I'm saying how many players will be traded off the roster, right. By the deadline. So if you think it's the question, yeah. Yeah. Well, so the question is, will they make a trade or will they just not make a trade at all? Basically. And, and reddish is not the, the Knox Knox is not included in this. No, Knox is not included on this. Okay. So I'll be fun. I'll say, I'll say they make a trade and I'll, I'll say uh, that I'm taking the over. I'll take the over. If, I think it okay. makes sense. They, if I were them, I would be aggressive in pursuing something because you just, you want to see, like, you just want to see what you have in Reddish. You don't make that trade without seeing what you have in Reddish. And, and right now, like, what I was, I, I like, they haven't, Reddish is not justifying playing time right now. So you need to put him in, a, put that team in a position to where he's justifying playing time. And, uh, you know, Maybe there's something. Maybe there's something with Fournier. Maybe there's something with Burks. You know, maybe there's something with Kemba. Fournier is interesting to me. I was I was looking at his numbers a couple of days ago. Like the the numbers are fine. The numbers are okay. He's so weird. He's such He's a strange just so weird. He was He's their not- best net rating guy, on-court net rating guy for like a four week stretch, like up until recently. He may still be over since the new year. It's it's yeah. I, He's know. not streaky. He's he's it's it's a different thing. It's not streaky. Streaky is like great for a week. Like RJ is streaky. Oh, I was about to say and Tim Hardaway Jr. is another guy. He's Tim Hardaway Jr. is streaky. Right. J.R. Smith is streaky. <laughs> like J.R. Smith is streaky in life. Exactly. Like this is not streaky. This is just like this is just full on Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. This is just which which Fournier are you gonna get? He it's it's just so weird because he's the he's not a bad player. Like no, he's not. I get why Knicks players get why Knicks fans get frustrated with him because yeah. that's an expensive contract. And at the time he signed yeah. that contract, people around the league were like, that's a lot of money for Evan Fournier. But it's not like he's a bad player. Like Knicks fans would not feel the way they feel about him if the Knicks had signed him to the mid-level exception, you know. No, I agree with you 100%. Or even like he's a very good shooter. He's a yeah. very good shooter. Yeah. And he's and, and his the ball and and his shots are difficult sometimes too. That's the other thing we should say. Yes, they are. Yeah. He 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 takes a lot of late clock shots for them. Yeah. There are a lot of like swing it out to Fournier with 4 seconds left and he's in the corner sort of thing and he's shooting like 45 from the corners. I I think he's at 40 from 3. Like, no, oh, yeah, no, he is. A lot of attempts. He's he's a he's a very good shooter. He's a, he's a good player. He's just on an expensive contract and that's uh you know frustrating from a roster building standpoint. And he's so weird because some nights he's going to go for 25 and then other nights it's just like where is Evan Fournier? <laughs> well it's uh it's a good that's a good uh, like where in the world is is Carmen San Diego? Where in the world is where in the court? What is what is Evan Fournier doing on the court right now? Um this has been great. Uh, I have uh, kept you for too long. I have to go. You have to go. You have to catch plane. Uh, no, tomorrow you're catching a plane. They, you have to cover a game tonight, and then tomorrow you have to catch plane. Um, make sure I got the order right there. Uh, before I let you go, uh, tell the fine folks at home for anybody who for somehow doesn't know where they could find you and your stuff. Yeah, you can go on the athletic. Uh, you know, you can subscribe to the athletic. Uh, you can check out my work over there, the athletic New York. You can follow me on social media on Instagram at. Fred Katz NBA, which as I told you, I'm actually posting every once in a while on. Now. And you did it. You can see some Nick stuff if you want to. And uh, I'm much more active over on Twitter. You can follow me at Fred Katz. Um, still reading your stuff every day. 
Um, it is uh, it is phenomenal. I really enjoy the the Grimes piece, um, and the, like I said, the Randall, both of the Randall pieces. Everything you write is great, um, and you're you're a great follow uh, during the game as well. Uh, for the for the for people who enjoy the live tweeting of basketball games, Fred Katz is your is your man. Um, now we just wait for the inevitable uh, Russell Westbrook for Julius Randall trade, right? And then I'll have you back on to discuss that. <laughs> and I'll cover him in a third third city. That they have really to trade him here now. It's, that's you can't you can't. Get I was I was talking to somebody to a buddy recently who was saying to me like, so what are the chances the Knicks get Beal? That would be funny, right? I was like, ah, eh, with the way the beat writing gods work, it'll be Westbrook. Oh man, you will have to uh, peel me up off the floor if that happens. Um, all right. This was great, man. Thank you. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Fred Katz of The Athletic. Again, if you are not subscribed to The Athletic, do yourself a favor and change that. Uh, he is awesome. They are awesome. Uh, they always put out good stuff uh, and uh, can't recommend them enough. Uh, also, uh, shameless plug for anybody who is looking to uh, get even more in-depth on the Knicks, feel free to check out the Knicks Film School newsletter, which you could subscribe to at my Twitter account, JCMacryMBA. Um, and also, if you're not checking out the post games on YouTube, feel free to do that as well. We run those after every single game. Last but not least, if you enjoy the pod, feel free, rate, subscribe, review, all the things that help us out and get this pod out to more and more people. We appreciate you doing that. That is it for today's episode. We will be back with more fun and games for you very soon. Enjoy your weekend.